Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for giving us your word. We pray that as we look at this book of Ruth now and as we reflect on her welcome into your family uh, through her guardian redeemer, Boaz, that you'd help us to understand more of the glorious redemption that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Well, in the last couple of years, um, a couple of families that I know have fostered children. I reckon it's an amazing thing to do, uh, to, to foster or even to adopt a child. Some child is in desperate need. Maybe there's been a terrible tragedy in, in, in their life or maybe there's a drug or alcohol issue in the family. But for whatever reason, the child can't be with their biological parents. Uh, children in that situation are extremely vulnerable. Anything could happen to them. Life can so easily be a disaster for them. So for another family to take them in, uh, for another family to, to, to love them, to look after them, to bring them up, that changes everything. For this child. How, how wonderful to be welcomed into a family when really you have no claim on them at all. They are welcoming you out of pure grace and kindness. And of course it comes with a cost, doesn't it? The reality is children cost a lot. I think of my own children and look at my empty bank accounts and I can see it very clearly. I spend heaps of money on my children, heaps of time on my children, heaps of emotion on my children. I don't, I don't begrudge it of my children at all, but you can't deny the fact children cost. So the idea of investing all that time, all that emotion, all that money into a stranger to, to, to welcome into my family someone who, who is not my biological child, someone who has no claim on me, to pay that price for them, wow, that's amazing. It really is a profoundly gracious thing to do. All right. As we pick up uh, this story in, in the book of Ruth, do you remember Naomi and Ruth have come to Bethlehem to, to seek a home among God's people, uh, to seek a welcome in, in God's family? But as we saw last week, there are some serious challenges to this homecoming. There is no guarantee these ladies will be welcomed. There's no guarantee they'll be welcomed into the land, no guarantee they'll be welcomed into God's family. Naomi, you remember? She's a childless widow. She and her family had left the promised land, left the, the Lord and his people, and they'd gone to the enemy country of Moab for refuge. Uh, there in Moab, her husband and her two sons had died. And so now as she comes back to the land, there's no one left to inherit her place in the promised land. As it stands, her family will lose their place in the promised land. Their place in the land will go to somebody else. She'll have no lasting home in God's place. With Naomi is her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Ruth the Moabite. 
as we keep hearing over and over and over again. She is from an enemy nation. God's law does not allow Moabites to be part of God's people. Moabites are not allowed any place or any inheritance in the promised land. And so Ruth too, as it stands, has no lasting home in God's place. These two women have come to find a home and refuge in Bethlehem, in God's promised land, but neither of them have any claim. Neither of them have any any right. They have no guarantee of a welcome. As we pick up the story, we're in Bethlehem. It's the time of the barley harvest, and Ruth has found herself, as it happens, in the field of a relative of Naomi's husband, a man by the name of Boaz. Uh, She is following after the harvesters, picking up scraps of food that they drop. Uh, Last week, we saw uh, Boaz showed up in the field while Ruth was there, and he spoke kindly to Ruth. He he said uh, that she could stay in his field, uh, even said she could get a drink from the water jars. Well, now it's mealtime, and Boaz continues to show kindness to Ruth. He offers her a meal. He then instructs his workers to ensure that she gets lots of grain, even to deliberately drop some stuff for her. And and as she comes home to her mother-in-law that night, she comes home with a bumper crop from her day's work. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 14. Have a look with me. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her, even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. It's about 13 kilos of grain. Whack that on your back and have to walk at home. It's a fair bit. Um, she carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Uh, Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her, mother-in-law, uh, her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Ruth tells Naomi about Boaz. And we find out that Boaz is what's called a guardian redeemer. Uh, Back in the NIV 84, a kinsman redeemer. But here now in the 2011, a guardian redeemer. Now, for the people of Israel, it was very important that families maintain their inheritance in the promised land. I mean, this is the picture of eternal life for them, to have an inheritance, a continuing legacy in God's place. And so for a man to die without children, that was considered to be an absolute tragedy. It meant that his family lost their place in the land. And so this role of guardian redeemer was established. The guardian redeemer was the closest male relative of a man who had died without an heir. And there are two parts to the guardian redeemer role. Uh, First, if a man dies with no heir, the guardian redeemer has first option, first right to buy the land. The idea is that the land is then held by family as close as possible to the original. You can't have the actual family, but but as near as possible as you can. We actually have a very similar system in the Presbyterian denomination when a church closes. Um, If a church closes, Presbyterian church closes, the property will be used for a purpose, and I'm quoting from the Act, 
as nearly as practicable the same as the purpose of the church that closed. Makes sense. People gave money for a certain purpose. If it can't be used for that purpose anymore, you, 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 give, you use it for a purpose as close as possible. That's, that's the best, uh, most honest way to deal with the trust money. Uh, so, for example, when the church uh, that we were partnered with in Lane Cove closed back in 2006, uh, when it was sold, we at Chatswood were given the money uh, to use for our work here because Chatswood and uh, Lane Cove are geographically close and because we were closely associated. Well, in Israel, uh, if a man did not have a direct heir, then the nearest relative had the right to purchase the land, uh, to, to keep the land as close as possible to the family. Uh, that was the first role for a guardian redeemer. But if there was a widow involved, there was a second part to the role. If a man died without children and left behind a widow, the closest relative that the guardian redeemer had a special role, he had to marry the widow. And, and the first son that they had, he was counted as being the son of the man who died. He wasn't considered to be the guardian redeemer's son. He was considered to be the son of the man who died without children. And that way, uh, the son would become heir of the land of the man who died. And that way, the family of the man who died with, with no children, they didn't lose their place in the promised land. The inheritance was kept in his family through, through his wife. It's still directly related. Now, for a guardian redeemer, this could raise complications. Perhaps he was married to someone else who wasn't excited about the idea of him marrying his, his close relative's wife. Perhaps he didn't want to marry his close relative's wife. Um, uh, perhaps the guardian redeemer already had sons. He's already got a son who's his firstborn. The firstborn, what does that mean? It means that the firstborn then inherits some of his property, but, but the redeemed lamb will go to this other son with the widow. Uh, if the two properties are joined, that's going to cause all kinds of complications. Anyway... That's the price you pay to look after your family as guardian redeemer. Okay, in the story, we find out that Boaz is one of these guardian redeemers. Halfway through verse 19. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth, a Moabite, just in case you'd forgotten, said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, feel the contrast, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. And again, just notice this dark background. She's very, very vulnerable, Ruth. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. Barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Well, as we come now into chapter 3, um, Naomi comes up with a plan. Technically speaking, she, as the widow with no heirs, is the one who should marry the guardian redeemer. But remember from last week, uh, we already know from last week, she's now too old to have children. So what she does, she comes up with this plan. She gets Ruth 
to approach Boaz and to ask him to play the, goal, the, the, the role of guardian redeemer by marrying her. Ruth does exactly as she's told and Boaz readily agrees to do it. Um, he seems to have developed a genuine respect and affection for Ruth. Um, all right, I'll give you it's a love story, Daniel. <laughs> he, he's, he's happy to marry her. Uh, but there's one problem, one little hitch before they can get hitched. Uh, there is one man who's a closer relative than Boaz, chapter 3 and verse 1. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, My daughter, I, I must find a home for you where you'll be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you were there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. It's all going to be done in secret. A Moabite can't just come and ask. <laughs> I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Now, the kindness, I think, is still to her mother-in-law, to her family-in-law. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there's another one who's more related than, more closely related than I. Uh, stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she laid his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. It could be embarrassing in front of the other guardian redeemer. Uh, he also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Boaz gets straight to work. He heads into town, up to the town gate where these kinds of matters are dealt with, and he finds the man who is the closest relative. He says to the man, Elimelech's land, that's the, the land of Naomi's husband who died, uh, it's available to be redeemed. Naomi has no heir. Uh, you're the closest relative. You have the right to purchase it. And the man agrees. He says, yep, I'll redeem the land. Chapter 4 and verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. 
So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. The bloke is happy. He can own some more land, expand his property portfolio. But now Boaz introduces the complication. Ruth. Boaz says that the land comes with the widow Ruth. And so if the guardian redeemer buys it, he has to marry Ruth. And his other sons, they won't be able to inherit this land. Instead, the land will belong to his and Ruth's son. And remember, the son won't be counted as his son. The son will be counted as the son of Ruth's husband who died, Marlon, so that the land stays in the family of Naomi and Elimelech and their sons. The guardian redeemer thinks about it. He could buy this land, but he's not going to be able to pass it on to his sons as an inheritance. Who knows what his wife would think about having another wife. It's all too complicated, too risky, and so he refuses to do it. And so the way is open for Boaz to acquire the land and marry Ruth. Verse 5. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, just in case you didn't remember, uh, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, well, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You you redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalising transactions in Israel. If only our builder would give us his sandal. So, the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Uh, Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion and Marlon. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. It's a brilliant result for Naomi. Assuming that Boaz and Ruth have a son. And stay tuned for the next exciting episode next week to see what happens. uh, Assuming they have a son, that son guarantees her place in the land. She now has an heir. Her, 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 Her place in the promised land is guaranteed for another generation at least. Brilliant. For Naomi, brilliant result also for Ruth as well. Uh, Married to Boaz, she's not a a foreigner and stranger. She is now a wife in Israel. She's become part of Israel. And and she too has gained a place in the promised land that she can can will to her son. Uh, Naomi and Ruth have come home to Bethlehem with no claim on God. 
with no claim on his people, with no guarantee of a welcome. But now at last we see the beautiful, happy, almost ending. They have been welcomed home. They've been welcomed into the family. Strangers that they may be, welcomed into the family. Now they have a place among God's people. Now they have an inheritance in the promised land. Happy story. Happy story, isn't it? But, but do notice how it's all made possible. How is it possible that these strangers could be welcomed into the family of God? How is it possible that these people with no claim could find a place in the promised land? It's all because of Boaz, their close relative, their guardian redeemer. Boaz has paid the price for them. He's purchased the land, paid the price to redeem the land, and Boaz has married Ruth. And so now when he dies... All of the land he's bought will go to their son. It's not going to be counted as Boaz's land. It'll be counted as the land of Elimelech and his sons, Marlon and Kilion. Boaz, the guardian redeemer, has graciously, generously paid the price. And so now Naomi and Ruth have been welcomed in. Now they have a place in the land. Now they have a place in the family of God. Friends, like Naomi and Ruth, we have no claim on God. The Bible's clear about it. You and I, we are sinners who have never loved God the way he deserves and demands. We are enemies of God, the Bible says. We have no natural right to be welcomed into his family. We have no natural place in the ultimate promised land of the new heaven and the new earth. The Bible says, it says that we are excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to God's promise, without hope and without God in the world. That is our natural state. God owes us nothing. We are in the most vulnerable position possible. But friends, here's the great news. Jesus, our guardian redeemer, has paid the price for us. How is it that Jesus is our guardian redeemer? Well, let me show you a few verses from the New Testament. I reckon as you look at these in the light of Ruth, it's, it's, it's amazing, it's wonderful. Uh, first, the Bible is very concerned to show that Jesus is our relative, our kinsman. Uh, the book of Hebrews talks about this. We're going to look at it again in a few weeks. But on your outline, I've put just a couple of verses from chapter 2. Have a look with me. Can you see where we are on the right-hand side of the outline there? Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. For surely it's not angels he helps. He's not an angel, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Have you ever seen that before? Jesus has to be fully human because he is our kinsman, our relative. He became fully human so he can help us. Help us how? 
as our guardian redeemer. And as our guardian redeemer, Jesus has paid the price for us to redeem us and give us a place in the family of God, to redeem us and make us heirs of God's promised land of heaven. Have have a look at Galatians chapter 4 and think of it in the light of Ruth. Galatians 4 there on your outline. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Jesus paid the price to welcome us into the family of God, to give us an inheritance in heaven. And it was a big price. It was a big price, wasn't it? It meant dying on the cross in our place, under the judgment of God that we deserve, as it says in 1 Peter. Put on your outline again. It was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Last week I was talking to a lady in our church and she was telling me her story, her life story. She was born in Sri Lanka. Uh, When she was a baby, she was abandoned. She's never met her parents. She was abandoned as a baby in Sri Lanka, left at the front door of an orphanage. Uh, Frankly, her prospects were not good. Uh, To be left at the front door of an orphanage in Sri Lanka is not a good start. Uh, Babies like that are very vulnerable. They can be traded as slaves, even traded for body parts. Her prospects were very poor. Uh, But the orphanage took her in, and then when she was two years old, a family from Australia came to visit the orphanage. This family from Australia, a Caucasian family, they'd never met her. Uh, This family owed her nothing but they chose to adopt her and bring her back to Australia. It reminds me a bit of that, uh, that movie Lion, if anyone's seen it. Now, I'm sure it was a very costly decision. Uh, this couple, uh, they had children of their own. They didn't do it because they didn't have children. They did it because they thought it was a godly thing to do. And I'm sure they've invested masses of time and energy and emotion and money into this girl. Uh, but, but this lady was telling me it's changed everything in her life. Uh, In Sri Lanka, who knows what would have happened to her. But with this family in Australia, she was uh, loved, she was fed, she was clothed, she was educated, she was even taught about Jesus. She was given every opportunity. Uh, Do you know who the lady is? It's Chandra Smith. Uh, Chandra, who has been our mission partner in Ecuador for the last 13 years. Uh, Chandra, who's now working at Sydney Missionary and Bible College. Uh, Chandra, who's here this morning teaching our children about Jesus in youth group. Uh, That costly choice that her parents made, wow, what a difference it made to Chandra. What a blessing that, that her family were willing to pay the price to welcome a stranger in. And what a fruitful life she has gone on to live for the glory of God and for the benefit of us and other people. Uh, 
Chandra put it with a lovely understatement this week. She said, I feel very grateful to my parents for bringing me up. Friends, Jesus has paid the price to redeem us. Now, through Jesus, God welcomes us into his family. That changes everything. Both now and forever, we have gone from being in the most vulnerable possible position to being in the most secure possible position. Both now and forever, we will reap the benefits given to us through our guardian redeemer. Both now and forever, we will, we will joyfully thank him and, and sing his praise. That is so precious, don't you reckon? How precious to have Jesus as our guardian redeemer. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your magnificent mercy and that through Jesus, our guardian redeemer, you would welcome us into your family. Thank you for your love. Thank you that Jesus has paid the price. And we look forward to thanking and praising you and to thanking and praising our guardian redeemer forever for the magnificent benefits that are ours through him. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.